Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. A little later in the show, we are going to talk with activist Lenny Sinclair. She is a founding member of the White Panther Party and a Kresge eminent artist for 2016. We're to talk about the White Panther Party, what it was, how it differed from or was similar to the Black Panther Party of the 1960s. And we're going to talk about the 1967 rebellion here in Detroit. Uh, The 50th anniversary of that, of course, is coming up. And the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History is hosting a discussion featuring Lenny Sinclair and some others who were involved in that White Panther Party movement. You are going to want to listen to that conversation and, of course, participate with us on the phones at 313-577-1019. But up first, state lawmakers are sending $200 million in new tax incentives to Governor Rick Snyder's desk. Those incentives are meant to lure thousands of jobs here in Michigan from Taiwanese manufacturing giant Foxconn, among other companies. That's a controversial company that assembles Apple iPhones in China. Foxconn says it intends to open new manufacturing facilities here in the U.S. Here in Detroit, taxpayers have already given hundreds of millions of dollars to billionaire sports teams owners building and moving to new arenas and stadiums downtown. The latest round of those breaks comes in the form of $34.5 million that's going to help subsidize the Pistons move into Little Caesars Arena. We want to start the show today talking about the whole idea of incentives. This is one of the tried and true ways that governments, both local and state, try to make sure that they can get the businesses they want into their communities to provide jobs. But of course, there is a cost to those incentives. And are those costs worth it? One of the really interesting things that has come out of the current debates about incentives has been the has been the opposition to these incentives. So, for instance, uh, talk about the people who don't want uh, Mike Illich and the Illich organization to get uh, incentives for. Uh, their new arena downtown. We saw lots of liberal activists in the city oppose those things. Uh, But in Lansing, where we were talking about this $200 million in tax incentives for a company like Foxconn, you saw a lot of conservatives stand up and say, "Mm, I'm not so sure about this. And indeed, some of the leadership in Lansing, some of the Republican leadership in Lansing voted against these tax incentives, even though they had agreed with the governor that they would bring it to the floor and allow it to pass. So we're going to talk about this whole idea of incentives. Is this the way that government ought to interact with markets? Is it the way that we ought to try to attract jobs to Detroit or to Michigan? Uh, Or should government not play favorites? Should government take a more balanced approach or more hands-off approach to the idea of that job creation? I'm going to start the conversation with Rick Pluta, who is the State Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network and was following things in Lansing. Rick, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how are you? 
pretty good. You? Yeah, I'm very good. Uh, let's talk about what happened in Lansing. Sure. Uh, in particular, this sitting out of the process, really, by some of the Republican leadership, uh, mm-hmm. which which says, hey, we also don't think these kinds of incentives make a lot of sense. Right. And, and basically what they did was they succumbed to pressure from um, business leaders who said that this was important. And so Speaker Tom Leonard, one of the no votes in the House leadership, said to the governor and to the business groups, look, we're not going to stand in the way of a vote. If you come up with the votes, we're not going to do that for you. And uh-huh. so that's basically what transpired yesterday. And so we have the rare occurrence of a bill passing the House with bipartisan uh, approval, overcoming bipartisan op- uh, opposition, um, but without the support of, uh, of the House leadership. And, and maybe um, a little history might be helpful here that uh, – you know, you go back to the 1990s, and you'll remember that uh, John Engler, when he was running for governor against Jim Blanchard, uh, he ran against um, specialized incentives. He said that they were a bad idea. But then Willow Run happened, mm-hmm. and the uh, production of that plant was moved to Arlington, Texas. And so John Engler got religion on using mm-hmm. tax incentives to attract and retain businesses. Uh, when Dick Postumus, who's now Rick Snyder's chief of staff, was in the state Senate. He uh, uh, did not approve of using specialized tax incentives. He wound up getting religion on it. Rick Snyder ran against specialized tax incentives uh, um, in favor of what's called economic gardening, creating mm-hmm. conditions that uh, will will attract a broad array of businesses without, without the governor, without the government getting involved and in saying this one, not that one. And, you know, now he's had to to come as well. And so there's just always a lot of pressure when these these really big deals come along for uh, the political class to engage and try to do something. Yeah. Uh, talk about what the incentives here are about. Foxconn is one of the companies that everybody is talking about. The governor right. uh, is very excited about the idea that this company might come here and manufacture things that they have been manufacturing overseas for many years. Right. And, and get involved in actually, you know, next generation vehicles that apparently that's right. part of the plan is that they'll be um, building, constructing the touch screens that are going to be, you know, the the next dashboards on our cars. Right. And and so these incentives then why does the governor who as you point out has has been one of the most uh, uh, avid sort of pushback uh, uh, characters against against this idea of incentives what what's what's changed his mind here? What well, I mean, uh, the evolution is based on the fact that these are big projects. And people who are opposed to these incentives have said all along that if, we're, if, if you're going to refuse to rely on them, you're going to have to accept the fact that deals that you would otherwise want are going to walk out the door. And that just becomes too much. I mean, I think we're talking about, what does it seem, about 5,000 jobs here, mm-hmm. um, possibly? Yes. And it's just for business groups and um, our, our political leaders is that's just too big a deal to pass up. And so they felt like they had to uh, do something to attract 
you know, Foxconn's and other really, really, you know, large employers. And remember, that's, that's Michigan's history. That yes. We're used to having an economy that's rooted in manufacturing facilities yes. that employ thousands of people. You know, that's our culture. And, and uh, you know, I, I also wonder... Um, I also wonder whether the pressure here is not just internal. In other words, uh, that that because other states have not followed our lead in in saying, "Hey, we're not going to do this." I mean, the governor did for his first term stick pretty mm-hmm. pretty close to that. It, it, it almost it almost is a referendum on the idea that one state can can do that and maybe a referendum on the whole idea of the governor's economic gardening in other words is what he tried not being is it is it not being successful well it's 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 not working you know the way that they had hoped and one of the big arguments here is that you look at the states that we compete against Georgia South Carolina um, Texas, not to mention, you know, just our, our neighbors, Ohio, Indiana, Wisconsin, that they have incentive programs that run into the hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, I'm doing the numbers off the top of my head, but they're somewhere between 250 million to 400 and something million, depending on the state. Mm-hmm. And Michigan's incentives add up to, um, um, somewhere in the 60 million range. And so they say that, that, that we're just under-equipped when it comes to competing on the incentive front. Now, now Michigan has chosen, the legislature and the governor have adopted a, a one-of-a-kind program here. No other state, usually it's um, in the form of some kind of uh, tax credits um, or grants, but tax credits are the most popular what this would do is this would say that depending on how many jobs you create and how much you're paying in wages, you can keep some or all of the income taxes, the state income taxes that you withhold from your employees. Uh-huh. And, and no one else is doing that. And even you know that method is, is raising some, some questions. Should we be allowing businesses to essentially keep what are supposed to be tax dollars. Yes, yes. Okay, Rick Pluta, Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. As always, thanks for joining us on Detroit Today. As always, a pleasure, Stephen. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Joining us now to talk further about this idea of tax incentives and whether they work, whether they are good government policy, is Sheikha Dalmia. She's a senior analyst with the Reason Foundation and a writer for Reason Magazine. Sheikha, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me on, yeah. Stephen. So, so, so you heard the conversation there with with Rick Pluta about what's going on in Lansing. This $200 million incentive seems like it's headed to be uh, law here in Michigan, um, uh, that, that the governor will almost certainly sign it so that we can get those jobs. Tell me why, as a libertarian and, and a conservative, uh, you don't think those are, are good ideas. Uh, libertarian these days, not conservative. Not conservative. You, you know when I identify as a conservative? <laughs> yeah, not, not anymore. Um, uh, yeah, well, uh, Rick touch, uh, touched upon a number of the concerns that, you know, us uh, free market types would have with a scheme like this. First of all, let me just say that, uh, you know, 
it, this is Rick uh, Snyder is undoing his legacy. Uh, if you recall, uh, you know, Michigan for the longest time had Mega, which was doing exactly yes. what he's doing now, which is picking winners and losers uh, by giving special tax breaks to certain businesses. Uh, that program had an abysmal record. Uh, the, I think the studies have shown that uh, it created about 5.6% of the jobs that were promised uh, you know, through the various uh, tax breaks that were given. There is no reason to believe that this is going to work any better. The problem with these projects is that, uh, you know, politicians simply, you know, with uncritically, naively accept the word of these big companies about their the jobs that they are going to develop. And we really have no idea if the 5,000 jobs would materialize. But even if they did, the bigger problem with schemes like this is that they see the positive effect of these kinds of programs. They don't see the negative effects. It's the seen and the unseen problem, which is that uh, for every job, tax incentive that you are giving this business, you are making some other smaller business uncompetitive. In this case, if you look at what they are doing, um, these taxes, uh, these tax breaks, which is essentially the company gets to keep, as Rick explained, part of the income taxes that uh, they might generate, that they might the generate from their own workers, is that it applies to only companies, I think, that produce over 500 jobs. Well, what about the ones that are produ producing 400 jobs or 300 jobs or 200 jobs? You're essentially making those companies uh, uncompetitive. And that's kind of like the big problem that is, you know, in Michigan and other states, it prevents, prevents the economies from actually diversifying and putting your eggs in these large, flashy, you know, corporate projects, which more often than not don't pan out as they are promised. And uh, just one other thing that I find particularly insidious about this, this particular way of handing out uh, tax breaks, and this was also part of what happened in, uh, you know, Detroit recently with the, you know, Brownfield transformation packet mm -hmm. that... Which is uh, yet another round which of is another, incentives that's separate from the Pistons and, and Foxconn. I mean, uh, we, we've been at this pretty aggressively Pretty aggressively. Lately. And it was this, it's the same deal that they get to keep part of the income taxes of their own workers. The problem with these is that these these revenue streams never even make it into the general funds, you know, where you can look at all your priorities and decide then, okay, you know, maybe this business should get some break. In other words, they don't have to compete with ordinary mortals when, uh, you know, the state legislature is deciding who, who they want to give this money to. So, you know, I mean, I am very sad at uh, Rick Snyder that, you know, he's undoing his own legacy of scrapping Mega and replacing it with Mega 2, essentially. <laughs> and it's not going to serve Michigan well. So, so, so let me ask you this, though. One of the arguments that, that gets made about these kinds of incentives is that when a company like Foxconn, which... Um, which is not manufacturing in this country right now, but could come here and not only create 5,000 jobs to do what it's doing now, it will also help jumpstart something that we've already invested in, right? This this whole idea of uh, next generation uh, transit and, and, and uh, mobility. Foxconn fits right into that economic environment and almost undoubtedly would help move it ahead. So you're not just buying 5,000 jobs, you're buying research and investment in an area that you're already heavily invested in and that you're going to be dependent on 
in the future? Why, why isn't that a, a smart strategy? That, that assumes that the only thing that's uh, in the way of Foxconn coming to Michigan are these tax incentives. I don't think uh, that actually is borne out by reality. There are multiple reasons. There are a lot of reasons. Lots of reasons. And I think Michigan, and especially Detroit, uh, has a huge edge over other states uh, that they have a very trained and experienced workforce. Uh, you know, we've been a manufacturing hub for a long time. We are, you know, from that standpoint, we are extremely attractive to these uh, to these companies. And also this assumes that, you know, if some other businesses that would come up in the place of Foxconn wouldn't fit in with some kind of a good spillover development model that's, you know, that we keep hearing about. Any business that comes generates jobs for, you know, the people work, who work over there and have supporting services that they need you know, that would come up under any circumstances. So again, you know, this idea that somehow these big corporations are going to be our, you know, nirvana is not an economic model that has worked well anywhere where it's been tried. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, my guest is Sheikha Dalmi, a senior analyst with the Reason Foundation, writer for Reason Magazine. We're talking about tax incentives, $200 million in tax incentives that passed the legislature in Lansing this week, uh, headed to Rick Snyder's desk for him to sign as governor. The governor says these incentives will attract a huge fish. Uh, Foxconn, a company that assembles Apple iPhones in China, might move to Michigan and bring some of its business here, help jumpstart, in fact, some of the investment that we have in the mobility economy that is coming. Uh, but is that the right way to do it? Are big incentives uh, that that take tax dollars and give them to businesses instead of giving them to government, is that the way to grow an economy? Is that a way to spur economic uh, development? Uh, both liberals and conservatives seem to agree in, in, in some way that these are uh, problematic strategies, that these are tactics that rob government of uh, its ability to, to, to function and also uh, distort the marketplace in a way that's unhealthy. What do you think about it? Are you okay with your tax dollars being used to lure big businesses here to Michigan? Do you think that's something we have to keep doing because other states do it? Or do you think the governor was right when he ran in 2010 saying uh, the incentive game has not worked and we are going to get out of it? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313 313- Five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Ray in Woodhaven. Ray, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, thank you for having me. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I don't see how these tax breaks are any different from the tax breaks we tried to give the Hollywood studio that nearly torpedoed Allen Park when mm-hmm. Rick Snyder revoked the tax breaks a few years back. Mm-hmm or the race to the bottom we had with Indiana so that we could be a right-to-work state. Put mm-hmm. that up in quotes. Uh-huh. Uh, Go ahead. To me, it seems like tax breaks are just like the most cryptic form of trickle-down economics. You know, why don't we just, instead of giving more tax breaks to large corporations that don't seem to ever deliver on what they promise, why don't we invest that in people so large corporations 
want to come here because we're the only state with the workforce that knows how to print computer chips or do some high techy futuristic industry mumbo jumbo of that sort. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, Ray, you make a number of, of, of pretty good points there. But I think the best is the idea that if you took this this same investment and put it into, I don't know, training or education or some of the things that, that would make up for the deficits that we already have in, in competing with other states for jobs, you might end up with, with better results. I'm not sure. One thing I want to make sure to point out, though, uh, Shika, you brought up Mega, uh, which which was an unsuccessful tax incentive program. But not only was it unsuccessful in attracting the jobs that it promised, it's now haunting us every year when at budget time because those incentives are coming due and there's no way to predict from one year to the next how much they even will be. Uh, the governor has said many times that this is just this this uh, sort of specter out there that that comes due every every year and you got to f- figure it out in your budget, which is really interesting to me that he, he makes that complaint because when he was a candidate for governor, that's what he said to me about the budgeting process under Jennifer Granholm. That's what he said yeah. was wrong, was that you're, all, you're starting off every year with something of an, uh, a debit uh, and you don't know what it is. And so we're in, still in the same position because of that. And yet he's doubling down, down on, on that. Right. I mean, I think what is this year's uh, mega tax bill for yeah, the state? I, something like sure. $10 yeah. billion? Dollars? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a some, it's a huge, huge amount. And no, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, Rick Snyder will depart from the scene. And this is, uh, I, what, about a 20-year program? Uh, yes. The Foxconn program mm-hmm. is a 20-year program. It'll keep haunting us, as you say, for years to come. And to the caller's point, I mean, I completely agree that investing in the skills of the Michigan population, you know, workforce, would be a much better use of our tax dollars. On the other hand, the government's record in actually figuring out which programs to push this money into hasn't been all that great either. And I think, you know, he was sort of on the right track. Snyder was on the right track initially when he was simply saying, let's create a, a level playing field. Uh, cut down taxes. There were some really awful business taxes that Michigan had, like the Michigan business tax, which was an anti-investment tax, which he got rid of to his credit, replaced with with a flatter corporate tax. And, uh, you know, that was the way to go. Now, the other uh, problem with this particular tax is one of the uh, one of the stains on his legacy is that when he uh, you know streamlined the business taxes in the state at the same time he raised taxes on individuals right yes. he raised taxes on pensioners and what have you yeah. this was a time when uh, michigan has something of a budget surplus to make you know those people whole right. and instead of doing that he's, he's giving money yeah he's going community. back to the original way of doing business which really really re- of crony capitalism, uh, you know, which has kind of, you know, produced this awful politic political moment that yeah. we are living on, yeah. or at least is one of the contributing factors. Well, and that brings us back to the sort of political environment and the observation that you have in this moment and in on this issue, this sort of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, connection between far left 
and uh, right. and sort of center right, people I guess. like me, uh, yeah, right, <laughs> uh, who, who who both say this doesn't work, and uh, you know, I, I think on the left, it's more that it's it's a fear of crippling government and and preventing government from having the, the the kind of money it needs to do the things it needs to do. On the right, it seems to be more of a an objection to interfering with the marketplace, uh, but but it's an interesting place where those two interests kind of uh, intersect. Right. Um, let's go to Corey on the North End. Corey, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, guys. Hey, how are you? Good. Um, I wanted to bring up the point that, you know, Fox got notorious for excessive workloads, low-paying wages, terrible working conditions. Um, when we start talking about bringing 5,000 jobs to Michigan, mm-hmm. are those going to be you know, high-paying, productive jobs for our industries? Well, I, I think that's a, a legitimate question, Corey. I mean, I, I do think that it's probably not entirely fair to compare what Foxconn may be doing in China to what it will do in Michigan. There, there are really different rules and laws in place, but I, I think your point is good. And competitive pressures as well. But I think your point is 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 well taken. We don't know what kind of jobs and working conditions or security that that this company is going to offer to the people who it might employ. So, uh, again, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to John on the east side. John, welcome to Detroit today. Hello. Hey, go ahead, John. So as somebody, as somebody that works in, in, as a stagehand in the, in the industry, and most of our guys that were trained by the tax, tax incentive are now down in Atlanta, Georgia, where they have basically the same exact incentive that Jennifer Granholm first had before the uh, the uh, total reduction in it. And uh, Atlanta uh, did about $5, million, uh, $5 billion last year in uh, films. And that's all money that's brought into that state and spent at the Home Depots and spent at the lumber yards and, and everywhere else. And uh, now... Now the workforce that we train from our tax incentive, most of my brothers are down in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, we still do some some film up here, but uh, without the incentive, we cannot possibly compete with these other states. So we're not in the ball game. So, so, and you're right. I mean, those all of those things you say are are correct, John. So, so you would you would you would go further into this incentive idea not just in film but in in other areas as well they they didn't even give it a chance they they threatened to to uh cancel it before jennifer even signed it in and all they did is constantly told hollywood how they were going to get rid of our tax incentive and hollywood's very involved in all these tax incentives they put a lot of money into the coffers but uh they didn't put it in here they uh they put it in atlanta and now and now the Atlanta is the film capital. Uh, Hollywood is is basically moved to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. John, uh, thanks very much for the for the call. It's a different perspective. I appreciate it, uh, Chica. That 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 is the other side of this, which is that we had this this business that. Uh, that seem to be flourishing and there are different arguments about how much it was flourishing, but there's no question that there were lots of high profile instances of films being made here. If you had stuck with that for five years or 10 years more, I guess the question is, would you have created an industry that 
didn't need the incentive that uh, that the incentive is is a spark that that you know starts a a, a bigger more stable uh, in environment uh, you know john's example is 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 pretty relevant here which is that we now have almost none of that industry in michigan is that is that better than having the incentive driven industry well, first of all, we did try it for a while, right? I mean, it was a yeah. se- most of Grand Homes years yeah. uh, we had but film that's incentives. Eight years. Let's well, say that's it was... a, I mean, how you know how much time? I mean, it's like uh, you know nation building, right? I mean, uh, how long? Well, I mean, <laughs> you know but, how long? But, but this gets to the idea that but, that sometimes you do have to be patient. Well, well I mean, you know, but there, you know, there needs to be some out, outside limit. <laughs> but setting that aside, I mean, to me. You know, this uh, speaks of the effectiveness of one industry uh, engaging in the kind of PR to make its needs known to political authorities and then getting them to respond respond to those needs. I mean, why just Hollywood? I mean, these people actually, you know, are these studios, big Hollywood studios are flush with money. They are very profitable entities. Why do we need to give them more money to come and do business here in Michigan? I mean, there would be a much better argument if there were if there were some businesses that were actually teetering on the brink of profitability and were looking for cash, right? The only problem is that they are not politically connected enough to get their needs known. And this is this just goes to my point about you know how we keep going away from this idea of a level playing field and picking winners and losers and not actually being mindful of the costs for the losers who are not able to compete with these businesses. Yeah. That's what we always have to keep in mind. Yeah. Okay, uh, Shikadamia, before I let you go, I want to get your reaction to the idea of Kid Rock running for U.S. Senate as a Republican. Now, we we started the segment and you said you wanted to consider yourself a libertarian and not a conservative. And I would imagine that it's foolishness like this that uh, that might be driving you away from the idea of conservatism. That, not that I not that I'm well, giving away what I think about Kid Rock, but uh, but but go ahead. I would well, love to hear uh, what you well, think. Well, um, you know. Uh, our president has paved the way for celebrity candidates like Kid Rock <laughs> to uh, come into the fray. I mean, we did. Now, whether this is going to, in the long run, prove to be successful or not is an open question. Jesse Ventura yeah. in uh, Minnesota has an awful record. You know, he he got into politics and yeah. cashed out on his stardom, bad. and yeah. it turned out, you know, it backfired pretty Arnold badly. Arnold Schwarzenegger, though. Arnold Schwarzenegger did okay. Well, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan Ronald turned Reagan. out well, yeah. well enough. Mm. Uh, but, you know, Ronald Reagan uh, had a record in politics. I, I was mean, say, he, started he wasn't a newbie. newbie. He yeah. wasn't a newbie. Uh, uh, for Kid Rock, I mean, uh, sen- running for the Senate is kind of like, you know, it's that's where he's going to get his basic political like training. Should, yeah. it, it's, I that's mean, not it's what the, That's not what the Senate is for. And I should say up front, you know, if he does get into the race, if it, if it turns out that it's not a publicity stunt, which I think we should also allow for the possibility of. But but if he does get in the race, we should we should give him a chance and listen to what he has to say. But. The Senate is not a training ground for for political governance. And, you know, I would not bet against him. I mean, Donald Trump has said that, you know, has shown that your celebrity fame can be monetized in political capital. 
you know, quite handily. And uh, I would be worried if I were a Democrat, yeah. if he really does. I might be. I certainly would be worried if I were the other Republicans who were talking about running <laughs> that's in that true, race. Yes. That they might lose to him. All right. Sheikh Dalmi, a senior analyst with the Reason Foundation, writer for Reason Magazine. Thank you, as always, for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yep. All right. Up next, we're going to talk with one of the founding members of the White Panther Party here in Detroit. Artist and activist Lenny Sinclair joins the show after this. 